Pilot Mortgage Brokering, episode 109. Where the best mortgage brokers get better. I love mortgage brokering with your host, Scott Peckford. Hey, Broker Nation, it's Scott Beckford from I Love Mortgage Brokering. Today on the show, I have Reza Zabor of DLC Citywide Mortgages in BC. I was introduced to Reza at a MBABC trade show where they had top rookie panel brokers, people who were crushing it, and I was quite impressed with his the, his ideas and the things that he shared, so I thought I wanted to get him on the show. A couple of takeaways for me from this is how he talks about how he uses social media, Facebook in particular, to really grow his business. Uh, a tool that he uses, he shares a tool that he uses to make his social media posts more automated and able to still be able to fit them in when he's busy and what he's focusing on now to increase his referrals. It's a great interview. Also, Reza has competed in Muay Thai fighting competitions and is one tough dude, even though he's super humble and I would not want to uh, run into him in a dark alley, but it's an awesome interview. This show is sponsored by the career section of I Love Mortgage Brokering. The career section allows brokers who are trying to decide where to hang their license to connect with brokerages that are hiring. It's kind of like a dating service for brokers and owners. If you're a broker looking at options, go to the site, put in your postal code, and you'll get a list of brokerages that are recruiting in your area. You can compare things like company size, do they have office space, which lenders do they have status with, etc. Check out ilovemortgagebrokering.com slash careers to find your perfect match. And check out this interview with Reza. You're going to love it. Hey, Reza. Welcome to the show. Hey, thank you for having me. Awesome. So, hey, tell me a little bit about yourself and how you got into the mortgage business. Uh, well, I've been in uh, finance for just over 12, 13 years. I was in the banks for a uh, majority of that time and um, d- doing different roles. I was in uh, you know, branch management to small business to commercial, personal banking, account management, and uh, finally made the switch over to the broker side about three years ago. And um, so what prompted you to kind of leave the safety of the you know, branch land where you have a salary and you, get, you, know, you know what you're going to get paid and benefits to going to a commission job? Um, you know what? It was always uh, this urge inside of me to be more in tune with my sort of entrepreneurial side. I come from a really long line of entrepreneurial uh, men in my family. Everyone's always been self-employed and I was really the only one who had a nine to five most of my adult life. So it was just kind of a, a bit of a longing to, to try something different. And, and I, luckily I had a very good friend who is now my mentor and who's one of the owners of our firm who I used to work with in the banks uh, years ago mm-hmm. who... Um, kind of always knocked on my door every year and said, hey, you should make the switch. You should make the switch. I see the potential. And I and I always shied away from it for exactly the reasons you said, you know, uh, wanting a secure salary and just being young and kind of afraid of taking that leap. But yeah, it's 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 been great so far. And I'm my only regret is not doing it sooner. So I'm happy I made the switch. And have you been able to replace your income since you started this? Like, or like? Yeah, exactly. That that was really my first uh, goal. That was kind of the litmus test to see if I made the right decision. My very first year in the business, uh, my first full calendar year was uh, 2015, really, and uh, and I was able to sort of hit the same salary that I that I hit in the bank, which kind of made me feel like I'm kind of doing the right thing. And I, and I had a relatively senior position in the bank, so the salary wasn't too bad. Mm-hmm. Then, it, you know, it's gotten better ever, every year. 2015 was probably my second year and it was my best year. I was recognized for with uh, DLC for, you know, reaching a certain volume and, and stuff. So it, it, was, it was a great year. 
And I'm hoping to build on that this year. Right. And I had connected with you through, a, I saw you at a broker panel for rookie brokers and, and I thought, man, this guy seems articulate. He's, he's making it happen. And I'm like, I want to chat with you. So that's how we yes, connected. Yes. That was a really great panel. Yeah. NBA VC panel. That was a really good day. Uh, so before we dive into your story, I'd like to ask about a success quote that's had an impact on your life or business. I find for me, quotes are memorable. They're portable. And they're a way to kind of help me stay on track because I, I get distracted. So do you have a quote that's really had an impact on your life or business? Yeah, absolutely. And it's uh, funny that you say that because I was just actually writing it in my uh, little journal last night. <laughs> so timely that you asked that question. Um, yeah, so one of the quotes that's always stuck with me and, and the reason it stuck with me is um, the leap of faith I felt like I took to leave a salaried position after all those years and, and try this. Um, I didn't feel good enough, to be honest with you, in the very beginning of it. The first year that I started, I remember the first few months feeling deflated and, and that I wasn't going to make it in this business. And um, that's when I saw this quote. And the quote is, uh, you are not a drop in the ocean. You are the entire ocean in a drop. And the reason that hit me, and it's by Rumi, who's a, you know, a famous mm -hmm. ancient poet, but it hit me because it was, it, it, that's exactly how I felt. I felt like I was just this drop in this massive ocean of brokers and how was I going to be successful? And then, you know, through the right mentorship from our office and, and just kind of tapping into my own belief systems, I kind of realized that, Hey, no, I'm, I'm actually, I'm going to do well in this. So mm -hmm. yeah, it's always stuck with me. That's good. So I've never heard of Rumi before, so I must be not just not that well read. So how have you applied that thinking on a daily basis or how do you sort of apply that? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, the principle behind that quote is basically saying, hey, you know, I know you feel small. You, you can potentially feel like you're just one person in this gigantic world. And how can you possibly make a difference? And how can you possibly be successful? But the premise of it is that you have everything inside of you and every one of us does to essentially be, you know, the whole world is within you instead of you feeling like you're you're stuck in this big right. world. So um, I do remind myself of that all the time, because whether it's in personal situations in life or in your business, um, I think it's really important to remember that you're just as capable as any great person who's ever come before you. You know, you have the same 24 hours in a day that they did. So there's no reason why someone else who's been successful can't influence you to emulate that and be successful as well. Right. That's really good. I've noticed being uh, talking to successful brokers is that failure is something that can happen, but it's never fatal. There's always a lesson. If you look back on it, can you share something that you failed at and the lesson that you learned now you look now looking back? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, you know, I, I don't know if I'd call it a failure, but it was definitely, uh, I felt like it was a failure at the time, but I mean, just even starting out in this business, I remember the first several months I picked up a couple of leads, you know, from previous clients and I bombed them. I absolutely bombed them. I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't ask the right questions of my team and my mentors that I have here, you know, and I, and I, I felt like I really let the clients down because they looked at me as a professional and all the other things that I had done for them. But, you know, now that I'm on my own and I'm, I'm trying this new venture, they, they came to me with something and I, and I absolutely kind of, I didn't get back to them on time. I didn't have the right answers. Mm -hmm. I didn't ask the right questions. And, uh, and it felt like a massive blow in the very, very beginning of your career. But, you know, I soon realized through talking to different brokers and talking to different people that uh, you don't always have to know exactly what you're doing as long as your client thinks you mm -hmm. do. So I started adopting this philosophy of faking it till you make it. And, you know, I would always give my client in a face-to-face -face or, or, or a phone meeting, 
the assurance and and the confidence that I that I had exactly the solution and that you know they're they're in good hands. Mm-hmm. And what I would do is I would go back to my team behind the scenes and say, hey, I have no idea what I'm doing. Uh, how could I look like a superstar here? So th- that became a bit of a lesson for me, and, and there was a lot of growth coming out of that uh, perceived failure because that allowed me to kind of fake it until I felt like I was actually knowledgeable about what I was talking about. <laughs> right. So what specifically would did you do different or do you do different now? Like, cause the mortgage industry is moving so fast. And even if you've been doing it a long time, mm-hmm. I still don't know the answers. I feel like for me, some days it's like, you know, they ask you like, you well, six months ago, that was the answer, but is it still the answer today? So how do you handle that now? Kind of goes back to the same thing. I, I try to veer the conversation more away from specifics about regulations and rules and, and really, especially in my first face-to-face meeting with a client, I don't, I try not to even talk much about the mortgage or the numbers. Mm-hmm. We spend a majority of the time discussing just them and, um, you know, people like to talk about themselves. So I, I ask a lot of questions. I try to break the ice and get them talking and, um, building that rapport. So, you know, once you instill that confidence and you, and you have that, I, f- I find people are okay if you make mistakes. People are okay if you don't know every answer to, to every question. Um, and so what I do now is I'm honest. I say, if I don't know something, I don't pretend that I do and I don't try to wing it. I'll say, you know, that's a really, really good question. The industry's changed a lot. Let me take that away and I'll get back to you tonight, uh, with, with the updated information because as you said, things are always changing. Mm-hmm. And if, as long as you're confident and you're presenting that properly, um, I think clients are totally okay with that. Mm-hmm. I totally, yeah, I agree. I think it's a, it's impossible to always have every answer at the tip of your fingers unless you're like, I know a couple brokers that are really good on policy and I call them, but that's, they're few and far between. And even then it still can change, right? Absolutely. Um, so now you, something you mentioned, which I want to ask you about is mentorship. So you said it a couple times, how mentorship helped you. So how with your company that you work with, how, like, how is there a structured mentorship program? Is it sort of when you need them? How does that look? And I want to find out like an example of where your mentor actually helped point you in a direction, you know, and said, Hey, you know what, you're kind of heading here, but maybe they've helped you figure out a a better path or a better way. I have to say, I'm very lucky. Uh, Our office is called uh, DLC Citywide uh, in West Broadway. And our structure here is is very um, unique in the sense that we have access to all four owners, uh, really 24 hours a day. And and specifically for me, uh, one of the owners has always been my mentor because we were friends before I got into the industry and and, um, used to work in the banking uh, sector together. You know, it, it was huge for me and, and it continues to be huge for me because I know a lot of offices where the owners are sort of hands offish or uh, do kind of throw you in the shark, you know, in the deep end to swim with the sharks uh, right off mm-hmm. the bat. Whereas, you know, in, in my case, I was very lucky. I, you know, the person who mentored me and the team that mentored me or helped me in the beginning always made themselves accessible. I remember making panic phone calls to, to one of the guys here at, at around, I think, midnight in my first year. Uh, it was my first live deal and I had no clue what I was doing and I made a mistake on something that I quoted to the client. And of course, in my head, I was, you know, the world was ending. And so you know, I phoned him at midnight and he answered the phone and we talked mm-hmm. for about a half an hour and resolved it. And I looked like a star in front of the client afterwards. So it's little things like that that were huge for me. And, you know, and throughout the three years that I've been here, you know, a couple of times on LinkedIn or other social media platforms, I've been headhunted by other offices to potentially switch over. And, um, you know, they offer you a better split or a better, you know, something. Mm -hmm. And I always go back to the fact that, you know, I'd rather have the split that I have now and have access to these guys the way that I do rather than make an extra five bips and and uh, lose this uh, support system that we have here. Right. Yeah, that, that's extremely valuable. Um, Absolutely. And so it, it sounds like, so you get mentorship on specific files when you need help. Is there any other kind of mentorship that has been helpful for you, like in terms of business building or? 
Yeah, we do. We do pretty structured business planning every year at the end of our fiscal year. And, and again, we sit down with one of the owners or whoever that we feel comfortable with. And we do that business planning. We sort of touch point of whether or not we're still on plan. What can we do to get back on plan if we're not? And, and just a friendship, you know, we're all also friends and, you know, we have the camaraderie here at the office. And, and yeah, I mean, and one of the biggest differences for me is this year I started working out of an office uh, as opposed to working from home. And uh, that made a huge impact on my business and um, just being around other brokers and being around mm-hmm. the owners, uh, being able to bounce ideas off each other across the hall. It's, it's been tremendous to do that as well. Right. Yeah. And there's definitely something about kind of doing the business in community with some like-minded, awesome people to keep you on track and motivated. So I want to ask you about your process and systems. I know talking to successful brokers, they have systems and processes. They don't just sort of show up and hope for the best. And specifically, I want to ask about like administrative side. So in the past, since three years since you started this, was there any administrative process that maybe wasn't working as well as you would like? Can you share what that was and the change that you made to improve it? Absolutely. Yeah. When I when I first started, to be honest with you, I had no process. I was sort of winging it in the sense that when I got a client, I would make an Excel sheet and I would just put them in. And I had no follow up method. I had no um, tracking of, of my volume or, or anything. And when I first started, we actually were not with DLC at that time yet. And so we didn't even have you know, DLC has a really good back end where it tracks all of your volume and stuff. So we didn't have that at the time. So I really had no systems. And, and as I got more and more clients, it became very confusing to keep things uh, going. But one of the things I've implemented now is I have um, specific folders for each client, each folder. I have multiple backups of it. I have backups of it on the cloud as well, where I have, um, you know, documents and, and all that kind of stuff. But I also have structured processes for each stage of the process. So like, if, for example, if we're close to closing, and I have to get the closing document signed. I now have a closing package that I make and that goes out to every client, uh, you know, a week or so before funding or two weeks before funding, making sure that we have enough time to sign that. Mm-hmm. So everything's kind of more streamlined now. I, I'm still not using a CRM system, which is kind of where I think the next evolution of my business is probably going to go as I get more and more clients. So mm-hmm. right now it's just managing it essentially myself through the different stages of the closing that I've set up. But eventually what I'd like to do this year is get that all onto mm-hmm. a CRM. And so your office, do you, they don't have any kind of standard platform that they... We don't have a standard CRM platform. I mean, a lot of people will use some of these tools that we have available through DLC. Um, but different brokers tend to like different programs. So we do have some brokers who are on a CRM, but it's not all on the same CRM. They have their own, you know, whichever one they've liked. Right, it's like golfers and golf clubs. It's exactly. It's kind of like, you know, it's they're so everybody's more specific. They kind of have a certain thing they like and a certain feel. And Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And um, there isn't like, you know, everybody's not going to necessarily agree that they like Titleist, you know, or whatever. So um, another question I want to ask about is systems and processes in terms of your marketing and sales. So the the times that you started doing this, your business has been growing. What kind of sales or marketing have you found that um, has been working really well for you? For me, my I would say my largest driver of business in terms of marketing is social media. Um, I made that decision very early on when I started. There wasn't a ton of social media presence in 2013. I mean, people had their Facebook business pages, but I noticed a lot of people would share an article and then not share anything else for two years and um, write a blog and then not write another blog for another two years. And so I wanted to sort of be known as the social media guy when I started. And, and so I very actively started promoting myself and my business on social media, sharing very good articles. And uh, the good thing is in three years, I haven't let up on that. And I think consistency has been key. 
because now when I share an article, I can see the engagement and I can see people commenting and reading and people will often share an article on my business page and ask me what my opinion is, mm -hmm. on, which is always really nice because you become a bit of a point of reference for okay, people. Okay. So I have some questions on this. So this is great stuff. So social, when you say social media, what platform specifically are you using and finding the most success with? Uh, for me, and I know this kind of goes against some of the statistics I've heard, but Facebook actually is, is probably where I get the most of my business. I know I've, I've spoken to a couple different people. I think CMHC had a presentation on social media which said Facebook's the least, you know, income producing social platform. <laughs> but actually for me, it was, it's been the best. And I, and I tend to, like I said, I heavily use my Facebook business page. Um, but I also sometimes will share. If it's a really, really good article and I know it's going to impact a lot of people, I'll also share it on my personal site. And um, generally, every time I post something very important, like a rule change or uh, some sort of government uh, regulation that's coming, uh, I'll at least get a phone call or a couple of emails from people uh, who've been sitting on the fence about a pre-approval or maybe they're renewing their mortgage and, you know, they'll, they'll inquire about it. And then usually that ends up in a lead. Mm -hmm. So... How often do you post on your personal and your business page? I would say on my business page, I try to post once a day at least. Uh, I don't try to do more than that um, because I know it can get a little annoying if you're showing up in people's feeds too often. But um, I definitely try to do at least one post a day. Um, and sometimes I'll use platforms like Hootsuite, for example, where you can sort of have a dashboard of all your social media channels and you can just schedule those posts. So sometimes if I'm really busy, I'll schedule posts from the night before for the entire week. Mm -hmm. And uh, so then Monday, Tuesday, all the way to Friday, I have an article posting every day and I, and I actually haven't done any of the work. It's just uh, being timed to post on those specific days. Right. So, so it looks like you're active <laughs> when you're really just busy keying in mortgage applications. And then what about on the personal side? How often do you post or share on there? On the personal side, I tend to post a lot of my testimonials. So I think one of the biggest success sort of motivators for me has been asking clients for testimonials. I ask every single client that I close a mortgage with for a testimonial. And nothing has generated more responses for me on social media than when I post a testimonial, both in terms of how many likes I get and also just engagement from people, either congratulating you on the testimonial or emailing you or calling you and being like, hey, I saw the testimonial. My mortgage is also coming up for renewal. Can you do that for mm -hmm. me? And I still believe in that old fashioned, you know, word of mouth is, is the best. And, um, nothing kind of says you're doing a good job like somebody else, you know, telling the world that you're doing a good job. So um, I think testimonials have been huge and I tend to share those on the personal side a lot. Right. Okay. So let me say, so do you get them to put the testimonial on your Facebook page on your personal page is, or, or is it on Google or do they email you? Like, how are you collecting them? Yeah. So sometimes if they, if they're comfortable to go ahead on my Facebook business page and leave a review, I'll ask them to do that. But I find some people will say they'll do it and then they forget or they don't want their public Facebook profile showing up on the business page. So what I'll do is I'll generally get it from them myself and then I'll post it to all my all my channels. Um, but this year, part of my business plan actually, and it's kind of cumbersome and I probably should have done this when I first started, but I'm, I'm trying to migrate all my testimonials over to Google, mm -hmm. um, just because of the Google ranking. And right now when you Google me, the Facebook ranking shows up and, and stuff, but you know, Google's kind of the way to go when it comes to reviews, people Google everything. So I'm trying to now go back to all my clients and just make that really easy for them. I, I've created a template. I've posted their testimonial and I've said, Hey, would you mind, by the way, just logging into your Google? Google account and just copy and pasting this. Um, and I'm just trying to do that now with migrating it all over to Google. Right. That's good. That's really smart. Um, yeah. I've heard of other people using Facebook as a 
great way to sort of do that social sharing of you know, testimonials are effective and we do it, but not consistently enough, in my opinion. Um, you need mm-hmm. to have a you need to have a system, and you need to James Lowen, If you want to know the, the he's the guru of Google reviews. That's actually like a alliteration, but so I think he's over two hundred Google reviews, and it's bonkers. He's got it down to a, a science. So you should check out check him out online. Oh, I will definitely. So I want to ask you now about um, balance. So how do you balance your mortgage practice, trying to grow? You're in a busy market, um, and your family. Like, how are you doing that? Yeah, very good question. I think one of the things that obviously can run away from you in this business is just the hours. You know, the, the other night I was in the office till 8 p.m. and I didn't even realize it. And yeah, it, it doesn't leave much room for your personal life or your balance. So I think for me, I have a martial arts background before I became a broker. And, and while I was in banking, I was also a martial arts coach. So um, for me, that keeps me very grounded. I, I tend to still try to go and, you know, practice a little bit here and there as I can. What kind of martial arts? Uh, I did kickboxing and uh, Muay Thai uh, pretty much my entire life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, uh, quite a while ago, but I, I was, you know, competed nationally and, and taught for, for the last 10 years or so. And then I kind of retired from it a few years ago right. to take this more seriously. So, um, but yeah, so that still keeps me grounded. I, I tend to go and still try to practice that. I, I try to exercise every day, at least an hour, spend time with my family. Mm-hmm. You know, on the weekends, I try my best to, you know, at least on Sundays to not work if I can. And yeah, and I mean, I'm still growing by, by no means am I a really, really hotshot broker or anything yet. <laughs> so uh, sometimes you are working because you, you have to and you, you have to try to get the business on weekends as well. Mm-hmm. So I'm definitely still in a growth stage. I'm, I'm, I don't feel like I've uh, achieved uh, a level of success yet where I'll be really, you know, consistent yet. But, um, but yeah, it's just all about finding, I guess, something that you're passionate about on the side and making sure you tap into that to keep you grounded. Right. Actually, I started doing Muay Thai. I did it a bit in the past. And so I'm, uh, I'm excited. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I, I, I hired a private coach to help me cause I don't want to get beat up in the class yet. So right. I'm like, okay, you can, you know, if it's just me and him, it's like easy. Like I know he's not going to beat me up. So I'm right. Uh, it's, been, it's been fun though. I'll have to maybe sometime when I get a little bit better, I'll come and train with you sometime. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love that. That'd be kind of fun. Um, <laughs> That'd be great. So rapid fire questions. You can answer these as shorter answers if you like. What's the number one thing holding back most brokers from being successful? I'll say it because it's what holds me back as well. It's just consistency. Mm-hmm. Consistency in whatever it is that you do that makes you money. Right. Just doing it all the time and, and not letting up. Sometimes we get so busy that we fear success. I know that I go through that all the time. Sometimes I get busy and then I actually don't want to get busier because I fear getting busier. I fear that I won't know how to handle it. So it's just a matter of just staying consistent and believing in yourself that no matter how busy you get, you're going to get through it. That's good. What one thing or habit do you think has made you successful? Uh, Self-belief. Like I said, faking it till you make it. Um, There's a lot of days where I have no clue what I'm talking about because I'm doing a deal I've never done before or a structure that I've never had to put together before. But um, just that self-belief that you know what you're doing and, and if you don't, you'll figure so it out. So do you have an internet resource or software program you use to make your business more successful? You mentioned, mentioned Hootsuite. Is there anything else that you find invaluable? I am on a couple of different websites for like leads. Um, and, and those are really good because I get leads from them all the time. But yeah, I, I would say just the social media channels that I'm cons- consistently using, Facebook and things like that, but nothing else specific to that. Okay, cool. And do you have a book that you think uh, be good our listeners should pick up? Yes. Uh, Seven Habits of Highly Successful People by Stephen Covey, or I think it's pronounced Covey or Kovai. Mm-hmm. That's a really great, I have the book and I also have the audio book and I tend to put the audio book in my car 
if I'm driving out for long, uh, long periods at a time, I'll often listen to that. Um, it's a bit of a Bible for different categories of success, whether it's your personal life or your, or your business. And I, and I find it very, uh, very helpful to go back and listen to some of those chapters often. Right. I'm a big fan of audio. So you're talking, yeah. to, I'm like, I, I listen to podcasts all the time. Like, yeah, I'll, exactly. It's just, yeah, absolutely. So do I. It's, it's the great part is zero net time and you can learn while you're doing something else. Exactly. Yeah. Stay sharp and. Absolutely. So, uh, last question, the DeLorean, remember the movie Back to the Future? Yes. So if I could put you in the DeLorean, send you back three years and you could sit down and give yourself three pieces of advice, what would you tell yourself so that your business would be bigger and better today? I would have said one, uh, you know, systemize your business from day one. So have, have your CRM figured out, have, have systems in place day one. Don't wait till you're so busy that you have to go back and migrate everything over. Two is uh, really believe and dive deep. Don't put a plan B for yourself. Mm -hmm. So one of the things I did is when I left banking, I said, there's no way I'll ever go back. So failure wasn't an option. It was kind of like I was on the plank, at the, you know, on the pirate ship. And I, if I go back, I die. And I'm, if I jump, I, I have to swim. So don't have a plan B if you, if you want to do success. Or if you want to be successful in this business, just jump in with two feet and, you know, act as if it's the only avenue you have to success. Mm -hmm. And the third thing I say, I would say is just make sure that you're maintaining some sort of balance in your life. It's not all about work. It's not all about making money. Um, you know, be a good person to your family, be a good person to yourself and take care of yourself. Right. No, that's, that's good advice, man. I really appreciate your time today. Where can people find you online? Uh, so my website is SaborMortgages.com. Um, and my Facebook business page is also there. It's under Reza Sabor uh, Mortgage Advisor. And yeah, uh, that's probably the best places I would say. Cool. And anybody listening, obviously, there's links at, at AdaMortgageBrokering.com uh, to everything that we talked about. Reza, I really appreciate your time today, man. I hope you continue to crush it. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. Thanks for tuning in to the I Love Mortgage Brokering podcast. Subscribe on iTunes so you never miss an episode. Also, if you take two minutes to rate the show, you will get three new deals before the end of the week. How do I know this? Actually, I don't know, but we'd really appreciate if you took some time to write an honest review. It would help us out a lot. Also, if you go to ilovemortgagebrokering.com, you can join our VIP club for mortgage brokers, and we send tips and tricks, stuff that doesn't get shared on the show. Sometimes some of the best ideas come when the recorder is turned off. If you want to get access to that stuff, visit ilovemortgagebrokering.com slash VIP and get on the list.